Today's shear begins, you'll find in the middle of Ayin Bays, there is a Mishnah in the middle, the second of the lines after the end of the narrow lines. Before we begin the actual text, we glance at the side where we have a topic heading, the Nosei. It describes a woman, Ho'overas al, she violates Das Moshe and Das Yehudis. She violates these two areas of halacha and what they are. So we will uh, see in the course of the Mishnah and the Gemara uh, what, what exactly is being referred to. But the uh, woman who does violate these, the Mishnah will tell us that she is divorced and she will not receive her ksuba payment. So now the Gemara. The Mishnah says, Ve'elu yotzos shelo b'ksuba. The following are divorced without receiving the ksuba payment. Ho'iveres al-das Moshe v'yehudis. Rashi, das yehudis, shanohagu b'nois Yisrael, practices adopted by the women of Israel, v'yafagav delok siva, even though they are not written, they're not found in Psukim. You can see we have a double underlining to highlight the two categories. V'ezohi das Moshe. What is meant by that? What's included in that category called the, the laws of Moshe? Ma'achilaso sheno musar. A wife who feeds her husband food that has not been tithed. Nida, and she conducts intimacy with him as a nida, as a menstruant woman, which is strictly forbidden. And she doesn't separate the dough tithe from bread that she bakes. The dough tithe is called chala. She vows and does not fulfill her vows. These uh, examples are, in fact, written in the Torah. These are Torah-based laws, and she violates them. The Ezo, and of course, in violating them, she uh, causes him to inadvertently sin. The Ezo, he das this what is meant by that? Yoitza v'roisha she goes out with her hair uncovered, she spins wool in the market. And she converses with all kinds of people. So too is one who curses uh, a person's uh, or husband's parents uh, in his presence. Rabbi Tarfan, so too is a woman whose voice or sounds are heard. Vezui kolanis, what is meant by being heard? When she converses in her house, and the neighbors are able to hear her. That's as far as the mission is concerned. The Gemara will have what to add to many of these points. The Gemara. Machiloso she'eno musar. She feeds him food that hasn't been tithed. Hechi domi. And we have a diamond marking that you can see uh, repeats itself on the page. On the side under our nosei mivne heading, the diamond highlights the expression of the question hechi domi. Means in uh, what are the circumstances? How is it? How is this to be understood? Alma medubar b'mikrim shioiveres al das Moshe. What are we talking about when we say in these cases that she is in violation of the Das Moshe? And the squiggle underline comes to highlight the answer. Lo Tzricha means it, it needs to be taught, and those are answers to the question. So now the Gemara. Echidomi, what does it mean she feeds him untithed produce? E diyoda, if the husband is aware of it, nifrosh. So he should s- separate himself from it. He should not eat it. 
if he is unaware so how does he know about it in order to use that as grounds for divorcing the wife no it is necessary to be taught the Omra lay she tells her husband Ploni is so and so by name a Kohen came and tithed the Kri, the pile of grain. The Ozil Shaile and the husband went and asked the Kohen, Vishtakach Shikra, and it turned out that what she said was a lie. So that 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 is how he knows, and as a result of her claiming that it was tithed, so he ended up eating untithed stuff. What does it mean that she has relations, she has intimacy with him? If he is aware of her being uh, uh, in the Nido state, so he should stay away from her, not have relations with her. If he is he himself doesn't know her to be uh, in a state of defilement, in a state of Nida. Well, he then should rely on her. That if she's uh, presenting herself for intimacy, and it's indication that she's not defiled, that she is not a nida. From where do we know that a nida is trusted to count the necessary days uh, that lead up to her purification on her own, that she's believed on her own? Shinemar Visafra La Shivas Yomim. The Posak in the context of uh, the woman's defilement says she counts seven days. And that is the period of time that a woman on the Torah, from the Torah perspective, is considered a Nida. So that the Posak made reference to her own counting. Law equals Li Aksma. <coughs> so why shouldn't the husband rely on her? Lo Tzricha, the case of the Mishnah that describes the Mishamashto Nida as a, as, a, as a violator of Das Moshe is the following. Di Omrele, Ploni Chochom Tiher Li Es Hadam. She says that so and so, and names a, a sage, a, a rabbi, that uh, viewed a flow that came forth from her body, and the rabbi having a tradition on the matter, ruled that she is tahora, that she is not defiled. Uh, only specific kinds of emissions from the woman's body cause defilement. Not everything that is emitted. And the, the rabbi ruled, she claims, that I am tahora, the ozal shaile, and the husband went and asked the chocham, the wise man, the sage, the rabbi, and vishtakach shikrin, it turned out that it was all a lie. The Iboyasema, Kidaravihuna, another approach to explaining this uh, idea of Mishamashto Nida is in line with Ravuda's teaching. Diyam Ravuda, Huxuka Nida Seha. If a woman was seen by the neighbors wearing clothing that she wears only when she is a Nida. We had reference to this earlier in the Masikta. The Gemara had spoken about a woman. Uh, deserving her worn out clothing, those are the clothing she would wear when she is a nida. So there's this concept of clothing that are uh, particular, that are uh, earmarked for the for the nida period. And she was seen wearing those clothing, and she had told her husband that she is tahora. The husband, if uh, if he um, was warned not to be with her and was, he will be subject to lashing because of this. Now, let's take a look at Rashi because we still have some uh, loose ends. Rashi uh, says, She was seen wearing the Nida clothing. She told her husband, "I am, I am allowed. I am permitted. I am, I am not defiled." If he was warned, let us say, "Hey, you know, we saw your wife wearing these nida clothing. You shouldn't be with her," and he didn't listen. He would be subject to malchus. And in order to understand the Mishnah, it's as follows: Tashmish 
after he had intimacy with his wife, thinking that she was allowed, he was informed by her neighbors that she was seen wearing the Nida clothing, establishing her as a Nida. And hence, he then understood that when he had relations with her, she was actually off limits. If he's aware that the bread that he is eating is untithed, so then Nifroshi should stay away from it. If he doesn't know about it, how can he know that she is feeding him untithed uh, uh, baked products? Lo tzricha, the omrole, what happened here is that she told her husband, Ploni Gabal Tikun Isa. Gabal is a person who needs dough. So she says, so-and-so, the kneader, he separated the halotite from the dough. The Ozzel Shaile, and the husband went and uh, asked him, the Ishtakach Shikun, it turned out that it was a lie. The Noideres Ve'eno Mekayemes, a woman who vows and doesn't fulfill her vows, she's a violator of Das Moshe, and uh, on that basis, a man can divorce the wife, and she won't get the ksuba. And here the Gemara gives background. What's the problem with this? Uh, I would say that like up till now, each one of the offenses of which she was guilty are things that affect him. Here, you might ask, how is he affected by the fact that she vows and doesn't fulfill it? On, on, on what basis is he going to divorce her and not pay the ksuba? How is he affected by that? Well, here the Gemara answers, to Omar Mor, it has been taught, because of the sin of vowing and not fulfilling, one's children die. Shinamar, we'll see uh, two sources for this idea. The Posuk says, and the continuation of the Posuk, we wrote in between the lines, Vichibel Yodecha. The Pesach is saying, don't allow your mouth <coughs> to be the source of sin to your flesh, nor the basis of uh, injury and, and uh, um, ruination of one's ma'ase yodecha. What, are, what is meant by that, by uh, the, a man's uh, production? Ma'ase yodecha would mean a man's work production. What is meant by that? That's a reference to one's children. So when you look at the verse, it's saying don't allow your mouth, namely uh, uh, false oaths, false vowing, to uh, ruin your children. The Maise Yodecha. Rav Nachman Omar Mehocha. From the following, you see this idea. Lashov hikesi es benechem. Lashov, and this posuk means al iske shov. The word shav is associated with falsehood, with false uh, vows, uh, where a person vows uh, whatever and doesn't fulfill the vows. That's considered in the realm of shav. So as a result of shav, the Pasuk says, He kesias benechem, I afflicted your children. The Tanya, anyone who is aware of his wife as being a one, a one who vows and doesn't fulfill the vows. As we go on in the reading note, we're going to skip a, a bracketed section momentarily because of the inaccuracy of the contents. Yachzor v'yakniteno k'deshetidor b'fonov v'yofer lo. The husband should uh, arouse her emotions. L- literally, it would mean to um, irritate her, yakniteno, to uh, incite her. And when she becomes incited, so she'll vow, which is characteristic of people that are enraged, and she'll vow in his presence, the yofer law, and he will then absolve, he will void or absolve her of that vow. Let's go over the bracketed section. We said that a one who is aware of his wife as being one who vows and doesn't fulfill them, yachzor, v'yadireno. He should go and and impose upon her a vow. By imposing upon her a vow, uh, the word Yadireno, Rashi says, 
ploni that by that he's, he's saying that such and such a thing should be forbidden to you. That's what v'yadimeno means. So how does how does imposing a prohibition on his wife? How does that solve the problem? But my masaking law. How does that help? How does that fix things? Elo yachzor Rather, what the husband should do is to uh, irritate her, to incite her, so that she will vow in his presence, be off her law, and upon hearing the vow, he will then absolve it. And hence, uh, there, then she, there's nothing for her to violate. Omru lo, the rabbis responded to Rabbi Meir, Ein Odom Dor im Nochosh uh, according to Rabbi Meir, the, there was a solution for the vowing type woman. And that was, as we saw, have her vow in his presence, he'll annul it, and, there's, and, and with that, he doesn't have to divorce her. That was Rabbi Meir's idea. He, it's a solution to avoid uh, divorcing her. The Chachomim said, how do you expect a man to live uh, 24-7 with a woman that's a vowing type character? And Rashi adds, the, by the way, the translation is a man does not live with a snake in the same basket. Rashi says, When a person doesn't guard himself, the snake will bite him. So to a, a vowing woman, eventually it's very hard to be on guard of this all the time. And eventually she's going to mess him up. Uh, with the with the vows, we continue with a, a second source uh, that deals with the a woman that doesn't tithe the challah tithe, and Rabbi Huda offers a solution so as to avoid uh, their divorcing, and the Rabbonin will respond just like we saw here with the vowing type woman that you can't rely on the solution. Tanya Horio Rebbe Yehuda Omer Any man who is aware that his wife uh, on a regular basis does not tithe the dough tithe, the challah tithe Yachzor v'yafrish acharel So the husband should himself do the tithing and well, well that will solve the problem he won't then he won't end up eating untithed baked goods Omru lo, the rabbi said to Rabbi Huda, Ein odom dor im It's very hard for a person to dwell with a snake in a basket. In other words, living with a woman like this is very difficult, and therefore you can't rely on the solution. There's going to be a, a mess up somewhere along the way. And he'll end up eating untithed uh, uh, baked goods. Man Damasni Law Aha Rebbe Yehuda, who teaches the solution idea, in other words, the method of avoiding a divorce, uh, regarding Chala, regarding the dough tithing, Kol Shekain Ahach, he, that's Rebbe Yehuda, would certainly accept the solution suggested by Rebbe Meir in the case of the woman who vows. However, Rebbe Meir, who suggests that there is a solution for the case of the vowing, but with the case of the bread, with the baking, it's a very, it's it's an almost daily situation. People would bake fresh bread every day, very a regular, very a very uh, a constant regular. Um, issue. This is in contrast with vows. People don't vow on a regular basis. So that uh, Rebbe Mayer will tell you that for something that's unusual, so there's a solution. But something that you have to live with day in and day out to rely on the husband remembering each time to tithe is expecting too much. And therefore Rebbe Mayer might uh, suggest a solution for the vowing type woman, but he wouldn't necessarily accept the position of Rabbi Huda when it comes to the issue of the dough tithing. V'ezuhi das Yehudis Yoitza v'roisha parua Now what we learned Rashi on the Mishnah Rashi said that das Yehudis 
is a reference to practices, customs of Jewish women, even though they're not written, implying that even though they're not Torah-based. So the Mishnah mentioned amongst the list of things that are dasyudis is a woman who goes outside with her hair exposed. So the Gemara asks, Rosha Parua de he. How is it that the Mishnah class of classifies Rosha Parua exposed hair as a violation of a of a call a Jewish female custom when it is a Torah based problem or Torah based violation, not just Das Yehudis. If you want to call it something, call it Das Moshe, but don't call it Das Yehudis. The Pasuk says, Ufora is Rosho Isha. The Pasuk is found in the context of a Sota, a woman who is suspected of immorality, and she's brought to the Beis Hamikdash, and an entire ritual is performed, and part of the ritual is this, this married woman who is suspect of immorality, it says, and her hair is revealed. Her head is uncovered, meaning revealing her hair. It, it, which it would seem to teach, which shows us that prior to the proactive behavior of the uh, uh, people in the Beis Hamikdash when processing the Sota woman, she came with her hair covered. A married woman has her hair covered. Covered the Tana of the Bay of Ishmael, Azhar of Rosh, and the uh, Tanaic source from the uh, Yeshiva of Ishmael tells us that this Upara Rosh, uh, 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 Upara is Rosh Isha, is the source, the negative command. It's an Azhara, meaning you have a, a negative command of. Regarding Jewish women, they shall not go outdoors with exposed hair. So, once again, the question is, why does the Mishnah say Rosha Parua is a violation of Das Yehudis when Rosha Parua is a Das Moshe, a Torah-level, scripturally-based violation? The Gemara explains, it answers, Doraisa Kalsa Shapir Domi. Das Yehud. We're at the top of Omid Bays. Kalsa Shapir Domi. Das Yehudis Afilu Kalsa Nami Osir. This Gemara is very terse, but we'll try to explain. Before we explain in the text, glance at the side. We have a, uh, a crude diagram. I do uh, admit that this falls a bit short of Da Vinci's um, artwork. But it should suffice for our purposes. There is a vessel called a, a kalsa. It's a vessel that is used for um, it's used by women primarily that are involved with the spit with spinning wool. It's a type of basket that has a base to it, a uh, a, a, a concave base that could be placed over one's head. So it has a, what's called a base keeble, so that uh, a, a woman, uh, if she were, let us say, to walk outside with this uh, basket apparatus on her head, is her hair covered? Yes. That is what the Gemara means when it says Doraisa, to fulfill the Torah level requirement of having one's hair covered. If she were to have it covered with this basket arrangement, Shapir uh, Domi, the Gemara says at the top, it's that's okay. Das Yehudis, however, the custom of Jewish women is not to walk outdoors with a with the kalsa on their heads. Therefore, afilu kalsa nami oser, that is not in conformity to Jewish custom. And therefore, uh, if she's in violation of, if that's how his wife walks out uh, with uh, with a kalsa on her head. The Mishnah will tell you that she's Yoitsa Shalovik Suba. She's a violator of Das Yehudis. Omar Rabbi Asi Omar Rabbi Yochanan Kalsa Ein Ba Mishum Porua Rosh. He says that the basket Kalsa covering is sufficient 
so that the woman is not in violation of Puro Rosh, of having an exposed uh, head of hair. In other words, that this is kehalocha. It's, it's acceptable, it's, it's legitimate. Havi Ba, the word Havi means a, a question is raised. Havi Ba Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera asks, Hecha, the triangles that you see are explained on the side under the Nosei heading, Shlavim Levar Efo Shayach Dino Rabbi Yochanan. Where does Rabbi Yochanan's law apply? The Kalsa Eimbo Mishun Porosh. So the Gemara is investigating. Havi Ba Rabbi Zera, Hecha. Rabbi Zera asks, where does Rabbi Yochanan's rule apply? If you say that it's, it's uh, an, a fulfillment of halacha for a woman to walk out into the public marketplace with a kaus on her head. That's not true. Das Yehudis he. She would be in violation of Das Yehudis, of, of uh, uh, unconformity to Jewish custom. So Rabbi Yochanan wouldn't say indicating that it is Kehalach that is proper. Vielo bechotzer. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan says that the the kalsa is considered sufficient covering for the woman to uh, walk around in her in the, in a courtyard. Courtyard is a, an enclosed area surrounding which uh, houses open into. Houses open into a courtyard. So maybe. What Rabbi Yochanan is saying is that the kalsa is considered a uh, a fulfillment of the requirement of having one's hair covered in a chotzer. The Gemara says, you know something, when you're in a chotzer, when a woman is in a chotzer, she doesn't need to have her hair covered at all. Im kein lo hinachto bas lavromovinu shiyosheves tachas bailah. Means if you're going to insist on the woman having her hair covered, even in the chutzair, you're creating a an extremely strained, almost intolerable lifestyle imposed on a woman. How can she uh, be a married woman living with such restrictions? So, the tesis at the, the second tesis from the top says. The veil of a chotzer pirush afilu below kalsa nami, even without a kalsa, ain ba mishum prias rosh. There's no violation of exposed hair. Shei lo kain. If you're not going to say thusly, lo hinachta bas lavromovinu, and you're not enabling her to to live a uh, to live a life. Omar Abaye. Now we just have to just to re- just on this point of the of the the kalsa. Is in in the chotzer and Rashi says uh, on the second line from the top im de bechotzer yesh bo mishum priya. If you're going to say that the wearing of the kalsa in the chotzer is a violation of exposed hair, that would be too much to expect from her. So Rashi Rashi's approach seems to suggest that. That the, that the woman's hair in the chotzer should be covered, and it's sufficient. It would be sufficient uh, with a with a kalsa. However, uh, on second thought, the Gemara is looking for a case of where the kalsa is considered a fulfillment of the halacha, and when the Gemara is saying uh, we're rejecting the chotzer. It's suggesting to us that in a chotzer she doesn't even need it, and as that's what we saw in the Tosfos, which I think is fairly clear on that point. Afilu below kalsanami, even without the kalsal, she's not in violation of exposed hair when in the chotzer. Omar Abaye v'iteimoravkana may chotzer lichotzer v'derech movui. The kalsal is. Considered a sufficient method of hair covering when hair covering is necessary. When you're dealing with a woman walking from one yard, one courtyard to another courtyard through an alleyway. The movui is an alleyway that connects courtyards with one another. And being that it's uh, an area that Rashi says the public doesn't 
um, uh, doesn't frequent a mavui. So the need for the formal customary uh, Jewish woman hair covering is not necessary there. The kalsa is sufficient. So you can see we have let's say three levels. We have a woman in a public area. There the woman is expected to cover her hair in conformity with the standard Jewish custom. We have a woman in, a, in an alleyway, in a, uh, walking from one courtyard to another. She has to cover her hair, but she doesn't need to use the formal customary method. A kalsa would be sufficient. And we have a woman in, the, uh, in, in a, a more uh, secluded, a more private area, a courtyard that, and, and certainly within her own house, that she doesn't even need a kalsa. V'toyve b'shuk. We saw the Mishnah described as another example of das Yehudis, a woman who spins wool in the market, in the pub, in public. Omer v'yudom ha-shmuel, b'marez rosel l'vnei odom. The problem of spinning wool in public is that she exposes her arms. In other words, if she's wearing a, a dress with sleeves, the sleeves end up, uh, uh, she, either she rolls up the sleeves or in the process of spinning the, the wool, the sleeves uh, um, uh, move uh, upwards, exposing her arms. Rav Chista Omar Avimi Now the next word, how to vocalize it or vowelize it depends on different commentaries. So Ravini says one vowelization is Virod Keneged Ponea. She spins wool and the the string that's formed by her spinning then descends uh, between her legs. The word ponea here is a euphemism. It descends between her legs and that can attract people's attention. They look at where the string is and they notice uh parts of a, a woman, an area of a woman that one should certainly not gaze upon. There's a, another explanation. Uh, I think you can see this in the Tosus at the top. The, in the name of the Rach, Tova Vered. Vered is not is a new vocal, uh, vocalization. Instead of reading a Verod, we're reading Vered. And Vered is associated with redness. Semer Odoim He Tova. She's spinning red wool. She Yipol Al Poneo and while, while spinning red wool in public, the, there's a, uh, a glow or a reflection of the red uh, on her face. And this is improper for a woman to do in public. Continuing in the Gemara, Umedaberas im kol adam, Omar of Yehuda, Omar Shmuel, b'mesachekes im bachurim. This idea of speaking with all people uh, is not a reference to a, let us say, uh, a, a woman that uh, works at an information desk and she's speaking to everybody. That's not what Rav Yehuda in uh, Omar Shmuel has in mind with regard to the mission. But what is it then? It's a uh, a woman who maybe we can say is a engages in flirtation. She's she literally she plays with young men. We're dealing, of course, with a married woman. What's a married woman doing playing with uh, other young men? So that's a violation of Das Yehudis. Uh, now the Gemara brings a story, an incident. Omar Rabo Bar Barchano Zimnochado. Once upon a time, have a basre the Rav Ukfa. I was following Rav Ukfa. I was walking in back of him. Chazise lahi aravia to have a yasva koshadio pilcha, and uh, he he noticed a, a, a an Arab woman that was uh, casting her spindle. Vitovo vered or verod keneged poneha. She was doing what we described above, the spinning of the wool. Kevon de Chazisinon, when she saw us, Pesikte Lepilcha, she stopped her, uh, her spinning, Shadise, uh, she tossed away, she threw her spindle. Omro Li, and she said to me, Ulam, young man, Havli Pelech, bring me the spindle. 
Omar bore Rav Ukfa Milsa. Rav Ukfa made a comment about her. My Omar bore, what did Rav Ukfa say about her? Ravina Omar, Toive Beshuk Omar bore. Ravina says that Rav Ukfa said, ah, what you just saw is an example of a Toive Beshuk, one of the of Das Yehudis violations, if it were a Jewish woman. In other words, this scenario, if it were a Jewish woman, she would be in violation of Tova Bashuk. Rabbonin Amri, the second opinion as to what Ravukva said about her, that she is a Midaberasim called Odom, Omar Ba. That the, her behavior, uh, throwing the spindle and then asking, uh, asking uh, Rav Yehuda to go pick it up, that is an example of Midaberasim called Odom, speaking with everybody. On the side of the more before we continue, we have a no say topic heading. Mekalelis Yoldov Bifonov. A woman who who engages in some form of cursing. Now, what we what do we mean? Moldov, which means you have a wife that curses Yoldov means the father of her husband, Bifnei Moldov in front of the children of her husband. The Simonech, and in order to remember that the word in the Mishnah that said Mekalelis Yoldov Bifanov, that Bifanov doesn't mean in front of the husband per se. but rather it's in front of the grandchildren. In order to remember this idea, that as uh, Rav Yudah Mashmul said, she curses uh, basically uh, her husband's father in the presence of her husband's children. So the grandchildren are hearing their grandfather cursed out uh, by their mother. So in order to remember that, the Pesach says regarding Yanke Vovinu and his meeting with his grandchildren, he says, Ephraimu Menashe, Kiruvein Vishimoin Yuli. That Ephraim Menashe, he's talking to his son Yosef, he says, your sons, Ephraim Menashe, they are to me like my own sons. So you have a reference to a, a grandfather and, a, and grandchildren. Omar Rabba. The Omrole, Rabba's role is to explain uh, Rebbe Huda. We saw Rebbe Huda quoting Shmuel. What is she saying when we say she curses out the grandfather in front of the grandchildren? What's she saying? So Rabba tells us the Omrole, she says, Nichle arye lesaba be'ape Let a lion eat grandfather in front of the grandson. Rabbi Tarfan Omer, Av HaKolanis, my Kolanis, what is meant by the Kolanis? Uh, Omar, Rav Yehuda, Marshmuel, B'mashmas, Kulo, Al Iske Tashmish. It's a woman that has no sense of, of, um, of, of, of no sense of shame, of um, modesty in her speech. What do we mean by that? So Rashi says, When the husband talks to his wife about their own intimacy, she argues with him, and she lets, she, she's heard by the neighbors, and the husband is embarrassed by this. A second approach to what a kolanis is, in a Tanaic source, the following is revealed or is, is taught as far as what is a koilanis. Uh, without Rashi, I think this would be very difficult to understand. But Rashi says, uh, It's a woman that has pain uh, during the act of intimacy, so that when uh, the, uh, what's described here is a woman that in, they, they dwell in this chotzer, they have a, uh, an apartment, they have a house that opens to courtyard A, and when they engage in their intimacy, the, the pain 
is is um, expressed by her screams heard in a neighboring chotzer. The Gemara asks, according to this approach, what is Kolanis, if it's to be understood like this Brisa, if it's uh, uh, what is it doing here in our Mishnah? Venisne Gabi Mumin Bemasnisen. Later, there is a Mishnah that lists physical blemishes. Why then is this not an example of a of a of a physical blemish? Uh, and, and and truth be told, it should it would be it would be that. It would be it's a, a physical problem and it belongs in a different section. It's therefore um, more accurate. Machvarta means more appropriate or uh, literally fever is white, something clean or pure. It means it's more accurate to teach like or answer what a kolanis is like the first approach. It's a, a woman who doesn't have any sense of shame and argues with her husband about these matters in a in a loud vocal fashion. The Mishnah, Hamakadesh Esoisha Almanas She'ein Oleonidorim Venimsu Oleonidorim. A man marries a woman. He Mekadesh is the first stage of marriage. He offers her money in exchange for her agreeing to marry him, and he stipulates, "I'm I'm marrying you on condition that you don't have vows." Uh, that you haven't, you're not, you haven't taken vows. And Venim Noim, it turns out that she has vows. Eino Mekudeshis. So the, the condition being that it was stipulated and the, and the conditions were not met, she's not married. The next phrase is going to preoccupy quite a bit of Gemara. And the issue is the next phrase, Konsistam, is this a continuation of what we just read? Or is it a totally separate clause of the Mishnah? So we're not going to uh, dwell on this. We're just going to read the words and wait for the Gemara to deal with it. Konsa stam, nidorem. A konsa has to do with the consummation of marriage. Knisa l'chupa. And he did so stam, meaning without stipulating anything. And it turned out she had vows. Veninsula nidorem. Teitse shalobik suba. She can be divorced without providing her the ksuba. Almanash ain't bom woman. A man was makadesh a woman on condition that she doesn't have blemishes. Vinsu bom woman ain't And it turns out that she has blemishes, so the kiddushin does not take effect. Konsa stam vinimsu bom woman teitse shalobik suba. He was he consummated the marriage with her without mentioning anything, and it turns out she has blemishes, she can be divorced without receiving a ksuba. I understand that this phrase, konsistam, again, is, is uh, it's unclear, uh, and, and we said we have to wait for a further explanation. Kol All physical blemishes that would render a kohen unfit for serving in the base of Migdash, would be considered of su- sufficient severity on a woman to warrant her being divorced. Rashi on the Mishnah uh, already foreshadows the issue of the phrase Konsustam. The Gemara Rashi says, the Gemara will explain, Ikoi Aresha, is it a continuation of the beginning of the Mishnah, the Kitsho Altnai, where the initial marriage was with a stipulation, O Milsa Be'ape Nafsha. Or is it a separate clause? And as a separate clause, it really would re- reflect the case where he, well, the man was Makadish Herstam and Konsustam. When he married her, he didn't stipulate anything, and he took her in without uh, verbalizing any stipulation. Uh, and that would be as a separate clause. And um, we note that this is going to be discussed further on Ayin Gimel Amad Aleph, you know, there's, there's a discussion that will start at, uh, uh, um, in other words, that this issue will become uh, germane to the Gemara's discussion at the bottom of this summit, and I am Gimel Amid Aleph, and I am Gimel Amid Beis as well. So, stay tuned. The Gemara points out that this Mishnah is found also in Maseches Kiddushin. Utnan Nami Gabi Kiddushin Ki Hai Gavna. 
And the question that is to be understood is, why do I have to have the same Mishnah repeated here in Ksubas and also in Maseches Kiddushin? So the Gemara answers, Hocha Ksubas Itzdiri Here, we're learning Tractate Ksubos. So the Ksuba information in this Mishnah is of relevance to this Tractate. And therefore, Tnan Kiddushin Otu Ksubos. The uh, Kiddushin uh, aspect of the Mishnah is taught by the way, along with the Ksuba information. Hasam Kiddushim it's there in Masechus Kiddushin, so the Kiddushin aspect of the Mishnah is emphasized, and Tana Ksubas Otu Kiddushin, and the laws of Ksuba were taught along with the Kiddushin. On the side of the Gemara, we have a, you know, say, topic heading. That which we learned in the Mishnah, a man married a woman on condition that she had no Nidorim. Does that include all kinds of vows? Once he said, I don't want a woman with vows, maybe that includes all vows. Or maybe when he says, I, on condition that you don't have vows, it's a reference specifically to those kind of vows that would lead to inui nefesh, to, that would lead to uh, personal deprivation or suffering. We turn to the Gemara. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Shum ben Yehud Sadak. Bi'elu nidorim amru. We also must note that... Um, the Gemara later will be asking, just in another two lines, two, three lines, the Gemara will asking, the comment now that we're about to learn in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, what is it going on? What part of the Mishnah is this coming to elucidate? So in the meantime, we have to just read the text as it is and understand that we'll connect it back to the Mishnah a, a little bit later. So Rabbi Yochanan, quoting of Shumil, talks about uh, regarding which Nidorim have the Chachomim said what they said. And here they are. Shaloto Chalbosar, a vow not to eat meat. The woman had vowed not to drink wine. Or she had vowed not to wear colorful clothing. Tanyo Nami Hochi. And we have a brisa that supports this. Be'elu Nidorim Omru, regarding which Nidorim have the rabbis taught their laws? Tvarim sheesh bohem inui nefesh. Those kind of vows that result in or lead to um, personal pain. Shelo tochal bosar, v'shelo tishteyayin, v'shelo tiskashet bevigdei tzivoinim. Havi ba Rav Papa. Rav Papa asks, Ahei, Rabbi Yochanan's comment, what is it going on? Notice the, the uh, double underline is a method just of keeping track of the stages of analysis. So, if you're going to think that Rabbi Yochanan is a reference to the Reisha, what happened in the Reisha of the Mishnah? In the Reisha of the Mishnah, the first part of Mishnah, man married a woman, offered her Kiddushin, offered her money, let's say, to marry, and 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 explicitly stipulated on condition that you don't have vows. So if Rabbi Yochanan's teaching is referring to that, once he expresses his opposition, his concern that she have no vows, that would seem to include all kinds of vows that she has. She's a woman that's Vow-free. Not just these specific type vows. Elo Asefa. So approach number one is that Rabbi Yochanan is a reference to the Seifa. Now, Seifa, here Rashi is, is absolutely brilliant. Rashi, four lines from the bottom. Asefa the Kosovar, Seifa the Masnisen. The approach number one is then learning the Mishnah, if you recall, we paused in the Mishnah and said that that phrase, Konsa Stam, 
is possibly an, an independent clause. Hence, Rashi is saying that this approach taken by the Gemara, attaching Rabbi Yochanan as a commentary to that clause, shows that that clause is milsa be'ape nafsha. It's a separate case. The komar, and that case is a man who offered marriage to a woman, did not explicitly stipulate anything regarding vows, and he then consummated the marriage without any stipulations. So Rabbi Yochanan is telling us that. In a case like that, if he discovers that the woman has vowed not to eat meat, not to drink wine, not to wear colorful clothing, that would be grounds for her being divorced and not receiving a ksuba. Number two, we continue in the The teaching of Rabbi Yochanan, in fact, is referring to a man who specifically, who explicitly stipulated I'm marrying you on condition you have no vows. However, umidi de kapti bo inshi Things that bother people in general are considered a source of, of concern to him, to the husband. Midi de lo kapti bo inshi Things that wouldn't bother people in general Lo havi His being upset with them would not be considered uh, legitimate grounds of concern. So that when we asked before, once he stipulates it explicitly, doesn't that mean then he is including all all kinds of vows? So the Gemara here is saying. Not so. It might be in reality that all kinds of vows bothered him, but the standard by which we say your expressed concern is of concern is only with things that would bother other people. If you're, uh, you're somewhat eccentric or somewhat sensitive, that is not enough grounds for telling us that the woman can be divorced and not receive a ksuba.